You're listening to the Library Pros Podcast with Chris and Bob, a techie librarian and a computer IT guy discussing libraries, technology, and all things this side of the reference desk. Thanks, Carl. Hi, and welcome to episode 22 of the Library Pros Podcast. I'm Chris, and Bob is a little under the weather, so he couldn't join us today. But in his stead, we have Chris Kretz. Hey. Uh, yay. Yay. So today we're coming to you again from the Sachem Public Library in Holbrook, New York. And this is where I say our home uh, at the Sachem Public Library, and Bob gets mad at me. But he's not here. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The Library Pros podcast is produced bi-monthly, so don't forget to check us out and subscribe to our RSS feed, iTunes, Android, email, and on Google Play. Links and notes from today's podcast can be found at our website, www.thelibrarypros.com on Twitter at, at the Library Pros, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thelibrarypros. Today, we have a very special episode of the Library Pros. Joining us is Matt Innes, the Senior Editor for Technology at, at the Library Journal, along with Chris Kretz, librarian at Stony Brook University and local history podcaster. You can hear his podcast at uh, www.longislandhistoryproject.org, or any place you get podcasts. And Ellen Druda, if you remember Ellen and you're a follower of our podcast, she was guest number one. Howdy, folks. Hey. And she was dumb enough to come back. <laughs> hey. And librarian at the Half Hollow Hills Community Library and co-host of In the Stacks at inthestackspodcast.wordpress.com, a podcast about interesting books and a whole bunch of other interesting things regarding those books without giving any spoilers away. And you can find their podcast anywhere you find podcasts as well. So everyone today is joining us via Google Hangout, which seems to be the the favorite um, video chat of the podcast. So welcome, everybody, to the podcast. Thank you. Hey, hi. Thanks for putting this together, Chris. This episode is actually slightly different than how we usually do things. Chris, uh, we're going to call him Chris K, because we can't figure another way to identify the two Chris's. Um, And Ellen have both been guests. And Matt is joining us here to discuss podcasting, so uh, we're going to have a different format for this episode. This podcast is also a companion to an article that is going to appear or is going or is appearing in the June 15th edition of the Library Journal. If you found us from the article, welcome, and if, this is, and if you are a listener to the program, then uh, check out the article. It was penned by uh, Ellen Druda and myself, and we touch on concepts that are going, uh, that we're going to con that we're going to see. I always mess something up in the beginning. That we're <laughs> going to discuss today. Uh, but before we get into the the quote unquote nuts and bolts of the technical end of podcasting, let's find out about the podcasters and their podcasts. So first, I'm going to turn it over to Matt for a minute. Tell you, uh, tell us why we're uh, here speaking today. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, also, before I start, uh, thanks so much for the column, and again, thanks for the invitation to be here today. Um, you know, I was going to start by saying that there's been a bit of a renaissance with podcasting lately. Uh, my, my perception originally had been that it was a popular movement about 10 years ago and that it's enjoyed a real resurgence in popularity recently. But it turns out I was wrong. Uh, podcasting never really went through any sort of lull. Um, I checked the survey. Uh, the Pew Research Center for Journalism and Media uh, released a few months ago, and it indicates that like back in 2008, a little less than 10% of U.S. adults 12 and older said that they had listened to a podcast in the last month. And uh, by 2014, that had risen to 15%. And by last year, it was up again to more than 20%. So it never really went away. And it's growing really quickly right now. It's a popular means of uh, communication. It's also an inexpensive means of communication. And um, 
it's a great way that librarians can communicate ideas with one another as you guys do with library pros or communicate with patrons as Ellen does with her, car, uh, her colleague Charlene mm -hmm. uh, with uh, in the stacks. So, um, or you can even reach crossover audiences as Chris K does with uh, the Long Island History Project. So uh, the article that Ellen and, and Chris D wrote for uh, LJ's upcoming uh, June 15th print issue is about how to get started with podcasting. Uh, what sort of equipment do you need? Where do you buy it? Where and how do you get the audio hosted online? Uh, how do you get it posted to the iTunes store so that your uh, listeners can discover it and subscribe to it? Um, where else do you put it? Uh, they even get into things like putting scripts together and organizing individual podcasts. It's a really great nuts and bolts uh, sort of advice, and it's going to be uh, right at the front of our news section in the next issue. And also, even if you don't subscribe to LJ, you'll be able to catch it online at librarygeneral.com, and it should probably post sometime the week of uh, June 19th. So uh, they're going to be covering some of the same topics today in, in this podcast. And so thanks, Chris and Bob, for hosting this sort of uh, meta podcast about how to podcast. <laughs> I just have to say that Matt has a really great radio voice, which I didn't know before. So this is a perfect medium for you, Matt. <laughs> Not Think bad. about it. Not bad at all. LJ Podcast. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Chris K., uh, give us a summary of your podcast, The Long Island History Project. Sure, and, and again, thanks for, for having me in and having us all together. It's always great to, to talk I'm podcasting. glad everybody could come. It's great. Yeah, so my, my, my backstory, and Matt, is, <clears throat> it's interesting when you talk about the early days of podcasting. I, I started a podcast in 2005, so I was in that first wave when, when there was a danger. It would be called bibliocasting, and, and unfortunately, that name did not survive. Uh, but back in, the, in that time period, I was, I was working at Dowling College and started a podcast from the Dowling College Library. And um, one of the things we always had fun with on that show was was talking about local history, talking about our archives and special collections, um, interviewing people from surrounding institutions. So flash forward to uh, 2014 when uh, a woman named Connie Curry, who was the is still the president of the Long Island Radio and Television Historical Society, uh, got in touch with me wanting to start up a podcast on local history. And by that time, I had kind of lapsed, I would say. I had stopped podcasting for a while, a little bit of a, a vacation from the microphone, and uh, Connie convinced me to, to get back into it, pick up that, that thread just talking about local history. And so we've been doing that since 2014 um, for the first few years at Dowling until they went under, and then we decided to to keep it going with funding from that uh, historical society, and uh, we've been going ever since. It's a twice-a-month show. We try to keep up that pace, which we can talk about the demands sure. of, of running a show. Oh, yeah. um, but, no, we're having a great time, and, um, you know, we, we look forward to doing it uh, as much as we can. That's great. So, um, Chris, just to ask a couple of questions, um, what what was the, the, the driving force behind doing it, making doing the podcast? What, what was the fire in your belly that said, this must be done? Yeah, I, what I think, to me, and I think you, you've said similar things, is um, I, I found that the stories I wanted to hear weren't being told, or I, I wasn't hearing the type of show that, that I wanted to hear. So uh, again, with the history, I was meeting a lot of interesting people, park rangers, collectors, uh, people from historical societies. And I said, you know, why? And, and as librarians, we always hear these, we help people with, with these great research projects. And each one is, we step into this story, help them out, 
and they go away. And, and I, I was looking for some way to capture that and, and maybe, you know, make it live a little longer. So the, the idea of getting these unknown stories and digging deeper and, and sort of capturing them in a way that hasn't been done or wasn't being done, you know, the, vo the voice of it, you know, the voices of Long Island, where all or three of us are Long Islanders. And these types of voices and these types of stories you don't necessarily associate with Long Island. So that, that was sort of the passion that started it. I know I enjoy the podcast. Uh, I listen to it, and I'm I'm always happy when I see that little little number next to my podcast app. I know that it's there is a new one, and usually it's Chris. Uh, yeah. So, what was originally your premise? You discussed your premise, but just like anything that you do over time, it tends to evolve and almost morph or change shape in a way. Has it happened with your podcast? It, it, it probably not. I mean, it was always envisioned as a, as an interview show. So like keeping with that theme of, of, of interacting and, and conversations and voices. So we've, we've always done it as an interview show. We, we've gotten better at it, hopefully. So that's, that's one way it's changed. And we've, we've, um, sort of expanded and, and paid more attention to the topic. So we'll, we'll talk more about getting content, but we, we pay good attention to what time periods have we not talked about? How can we bring different people in? You know, I, I look at, have we interviewed too many men lately? We need to get some, some women in, you know, um, different ethnicities, things like that. So you, you want to keep it changing and, and keep changing it up. I, I sneak in some things once in a while when Connie's not looking, like um, during Poetry Month, we unearth some old ballads from the history of Long Island, things from newspapers from the 1800s and sort of forgotten, maybe rightly so, forgotten poems no. about you know, awesome. the Long Island Railroad and, and fishing <laughs> and things like that. And we just did a couple of readings. We put sound effects on them and things like that. So yeah, every once in a while, you, you feel like experimenting <laughs> with the audio and, and, and do something a little uh, off topic. That's great. Yeah. So how many episodes have you recorded? You've been doing it such a long time. I, I had to go back and count. So um, 49... And I'm recording 50 this Sunday at the Sable wow. Public Library. So The Golden Jubilee. That's right. Yeah, we should have a party. <laughs> it's not bad. Yeah. So how many um, other podcasts about Long Island history are there, or were you the first? We, as far as I know, we were the first. We're probably still the only one. There, there are some great <laughs> history podcasts out there for anyone who's interested. You know, Dan Carlin does Hardcore History. is one of the, the most downloaded um, history podcasts out there. Uh, in terms of the region, the Bowery Boys do one on New York history, which which is very good. Um, and then th there's a lot of institutions, what I like to think of as the invisible network. There's a lot of other historical societies and, and uh, institutions doing podcasts. The Brooklyn Historical Society has a great one called Flatbush and Maine. So th they're out there. But in terms of at least Nassau and Suffolk, I think we still uh, own that market. Excellent. And we're going to get into a little bit more about advice and, and nuts and bolts a little bit later. But now I want to turn over to uh, Ellen and Chris because uh, Chris was actually instrumental in, in helping out Half Hollow Hills Library with uh, In the Stacks. Very true. So, uh, Ellen, why a podcast for a library? Well, to be perfectly honest, um, I it was not – I didn't really listen to podcasts, and I was way what? off my radar. Now, no now how dare you? Um, okay. <laughs> Except for Chris Kays. No, I listen okay. to his and religiously. Christie's, and of right? course, uh, yeah. Um, but our, our, our library director, I think she started to listen to a lot of podcasts and got the idea that maybe we should be doing one in the library. And, um, and one day I'm in her office and she kind of says, oh, I want you and Charlene to do a podcast. And we sort of chuckled like, oh, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, you know, okay, sure. You know, tell me another one. And then she's like, no, really. And I hired Chris Kretz to help you do it. So um, 
that's basically how it got started. It was um, totally my surprise, but now it's really, you know, it's my pleasure. I'm just curious. Ellen, did she say why she picked you and Charlene? Did she have a vision or was there what? I No, she never really specified. the. I, I thought about that and I was thinking that, you know, we have been together in her office, you know, for various meetings and, uh, you know, on other things. And we're friendly and, you know, kind of chatty. And maybe she saw a chemistry uh, there that we were unaware of. That's the only thing I can think of. Very interesting, because uh, I know that when you were on our podcast, I, I got such great reviews about you know huh. about your history and and I mean we won't go into it here. If if you're interested yeah. in learning more about Ellen Druda, yes, go back to episode one of the Library in. Pros. Um, because no, it, and, and and the two women, Charlene and Ellen, they they have a great chemistry, and, and it's funny because once you start doing a podcast, you start listening more, I think, and you're, yeah. you're more attuned to yeah. how people talk or what makes a good conversation, and, and you can sort it of is, tell. What it's voice, funny because yeah. we're such. Sorry, we're we're um as we sit and talk, we discover how opposite we are of each other, and and that might contribute to the chemistry as well. How you know we do things in totally different ways. So we'll we can actually talk about that later if it comes up. Well, and I think we were saying before we went on the air, Matt has a great voice. So Matt, I think you're, you're yes, you're Matt. tapped for the podcasting world. Absolutely, I think you were born to it. Thank you. If not, you're being dragged Sorry. into it, kicking and screaming. He wants to leave. He's done. I think he's going to drop out now. Um, so, Ellen, how many uh, podcasts do you have, uh, as they say, in the can? Um, in the can? Uh, I, I Like Chris, I just went back and checked, and we have 29. So I think we are ahead of the library pros. Everybody's passing us. Wow. So it's always a contest, uh, but we're behind Chris K. <laughs> uh, so we're somewhere in the middle. So we've got 29 um, in the can, not all of them have hit the airwaves, though. Yeah, that's great. So after you started it, what? How did it? Um, how should I put this? When you started to work with it and go with it, how did it feel once you got started with it? I mean, because you have great chemistry. Well, that's nice of you to say. Um, wait, I forgot the question. What? I was so taken aback by the flattery. <laughs> what, did, what did you say? I forgot. Tell me how you how you took the ball and ran with it. How you you know oh. you started because I know that I noticed that you have some other guests guests on the yeah. librarians at, at Half yeah. Hollow. Yeah, well, once we sort of discussed and figured out things and just started doing it, we realized all the mistakes that we made. Uh, you know, you go back and you listen and you think you cringe, and um, I think that's kind of helped us cement the format and um, discover what kind of what we do best so it, it took a little while for us to get rolling uh and figure out what we were doing well, that makes sense i think that's uh is that right for, yeah anything. that's what happens in the beginning time. of any podcast right, really right. or any project yeah. regardless yeah. of what any it is project. right yeah going back to second grade when you had to write the book report right <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> how do i start this mom i have no idea but but it's interesting there there are places where there are there are librarians who podcast but like us we're doing this after hours now and then there's libraries that podcast that have made it part of their day mm-hmm. job you know so right. it's interesting how that why that develops i yes. think or, or why in some places it catches on and why in some places it's a person that has to sort of take up the mantle and do it on their own that's very very true. And uh, yeah, it is part of our job, which is something, again, we can talk about later as far as workload goes. But um, yeah, we, we, it became part of our job. It's something that we have to think about all the time. But we, so we're not, you know, like crazy like the two Chris's that just go out there and, and do it on their own. You know, 
we're sort of um you know ball and chain to the microphone but we like it. We like it. I, I'm making it sound bad. No, we like it. It's fun. I think. I think. I think once you got used to it, right? It, it's once you yes. got over that initial <laughs> uh, some, learning curve, and and we had some, yeah, the learning curve was tough for me, and um, and we made lots of mistakes, and we had lots of confusion. So I'm very grateful for Chris K, who was a calming factor in in the stacks. <laughs> well, and we were we were house on fire. And and I I'd worked with Helen. Helen Cross and the director on on committees and things. So I, I knew her and and again going back actually just about a year ago when when Dowling College closed and I had sort of a, a whole r- summer ahead of me with nothing to do. <laughs> she <laughs> said, "Oh, let's go to lunch." And she, she told me her vision, her idea, and she said, "Would you like to help us?" And I said, "Well, sure, perfect timing." And uh, mm-hmm. I, it got me back in the game. So I, I always uh, appreciate her asking me that, and it's been fun. I still, I'm a listener now, you know, so yes. I'm on the other side. So I, I get surprised each time I downloaded what, what, what they're talking about. And it's uh, great. We're surprised too, all the time. <laughs> well, isn't it yeah. interesting too that Chris is using words like fun and great and all these other things? Because sometimes people attribute work to, ugh, and I have to do this. Mm-hmm. And I know, Ellen, it's part of your job. And Chris, like you said, Chris and I are crazy enough to do this on our own time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is nice to, really- it's nice to, it's a fun thing to do, and it's not a chore. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's work. It's not, yeah. you know, it's not like Howard Stern shows up and just starts talking. Um, you know, there is a lot of back end to this that we'll get into a there little is. bit later. But mm-hmm. I, I, at least in, I can't speak for anybody else except myself. I know when I hear the final product, um, I'm proud that it, it's gone the way it's gone, and I'm proud that, you know, this is we're up to episode, you know, 23. Uh, I, it, so many people didn't even think this would get off the ground. And it's You've nice. You've been talking about it for a long time. I remember when you first brought it up to me. Yeah, because again, not, yeah, how could I forget? Yes. It, it was a learning yeah. curve. You know, it took me <laughs> a while because I had nothing to base it on. I had no mentor or mm-hmm. um, you know a pattern to follow. So I had to kind of blaze the trail myself. You know, yeah. figuring out everything that has to go into it, and I, that's why I was kind of happy to write this article to help other people. And, and I don't know if you've covered this on your show, but how, how did you get Bob involved? Was it did he jump or was did you push him? It was a little bit of a push, but when I told him what the project was, the first thing he said was, "Yeah, right, sure, get back to me when that happens." And then it happened. So he called your bluff, yeah. right? So, <laughs> yeah. and I and I always said the the initial concept was a car talk like show talking about libraries. Now, we wouldn't have guests calling in talking about their 32 Studebaker, but we would have guests and, and have like some light banter back and forth and, and try to make it lighthearted because you didn't want it to be, you know, like the, um, the Saturday Night Live parody of um, NPR with, you know, Alec Baldwin. And Don't go there. I have a recipe. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Yeah, I, I won't go there. <laughs> but, you know, I just, I wanted it, because there's, there's all these different points of view in library land of you're either at the reference desk as a librarian, you're an IT person, or you're support staff. So I wanted to have the view from two different sides, like almost like two different sides of the server. And I had a good relationship with Bob, still do, and he's a funny guy. And I thought, hey, he'd be a great co-host, so why not put it together and have a formula there? And it seems to have worked so far. Um. But the reason why we got into it, too, is, like Chris had said before, I heard a bunch of library podcasts, and there's some really good ones there. Um, but 
some had good content, but not good audio quality. It sounded like they were talking out of a tin can from underneath the ocean. And others had great sound quality and great production, but after five minutes, you're falling asleep. So I wanted to have something that was engaging and interesting and had a little bit of lightheartedness to it where we weren't afraid to laugh and goof around, but still talk about the, the things that here in the trenches we do all the time, like, oh, don't you hate it when overdrive doesn't work or do you don't like it when, you know, when the Wi-Fi is down and what do you do and, you know, how do you make up for it and how do you do with difficult patrons and, and any other technological thing that happens? So, you know, I wanted to talk about something that wasn't so academic. You know what I mean? And, and something uh-huh. that was more hands-on and something that would talk about something that happened in, in everyday life at the desk. Yeah. And it's a, it's a un- all those subjects are universal throughout all, all the libraries, you know, all over. We all deal with those subjects. And it's kind of nice to have the reference and the IT working together where, because historically they've been at odds. In public libraries. That's true. You know, they want to pound each other over the head. You know, the, it's not my job syndrome. Right. So here you are a team, and that's a great example. Yeah, and it just goes to show that you can work together. I mean, there's no reason why you can, and you can laugh and have fun. And yeah, okay, I don't know about, you know, server language and, and all that other stuff. But he may not know about library things, librarian things. So it's, it mm. goes hand in hand. And Bob is an, an, an exception to the rule. He's actually very well versed in everything library land. But it, it's just a nice way to have that yin and yang and, and have that discussion back and forth. And then you throw a guest in the middle, and then you just pick on each other. So, you know, that works out really well. So now that we've gone through uh, the little nuts and bolts of things, um, why don't we take a short break? And when we get back, we'll, we'll, we'll um, talk a little bit more about the technical things that you have to do uh, to start a podcast, run a podcast, And all that other stuff. So we'll take a break, and uh, we will be right back. So now we have... We're back with Matt Innes from Library Journal, Chris Kretz from the Long Island History Project, and Ellen Druda from In the Stacks and the Half Hallow Hills Community Library. So there are so many moving parts to a podcast, and I suspect that <clears throat> excuse me, that we all have different methods and how we get to the same result, which is obviously a successful podcast, and I think success is a sliding scale also. <laughs> um, so let's talk about those parts. So, um, so as I see it, there are four main components that are needed to start a podcast. But I think before we talk about the nuts and bolts, we need to talk about the idea. We touched on it in the last segment, but I think, you know, library land needs to understand that um, 
you can physically build a podcast, you know, that's something that's tangible. But what I'm trying to say is, you know, there has to be a spark. There has to be a fire in the belly. There has to be a topic that needs to have um, have the, a podcast to have a voice for it. Uh, don't you guys agree? Definitely. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny because a lot of people that I've talked to bring up um, public media and, and car talk and say, you know, yeah, we'll just get in the room and we'll be funny. But it, it's yeah. it's not that easy. You, you no. sit down uh-huh. in front of a mic and, and then you think, okay, now what? Yeah, you freeze. Exactly. Like for the library pros, you know, um, I was finding, like I said before, the podcasts available were, you know, talking about technology from a librarian's point of view and then, you know, having an IT guy there for us or for, for me and Bob keeps things grounded because I could say, yeah, well, why don't we make servers fly? And Bob would say, oh, Chris, uh, stop. What? No, that's not going to happen. You're in the cloud. That's Come true. On. That's right. Why do they call it the cloud? Does, does that mean that it's foggy in the server room? Yeah. No. So you got to take – it's nice that we, we ground each other. You know what I mean? Uh, so, you know, we wanted to have it to be not so serious too, like I said before. And, and the last few episodes um, before, you know, he couldn't be on the last couple episodes – uh, we poked so much fun at each other. I actually said after the podcast, I think we have to tone it down a little bit. Cause <laughs> Did he, you apologize yeah. to him? I'm like, Bob, no, actually, he was, he was being pretty mean to me, but <laughs> I'm used to it. It's pretty. It's just all in good fun. No, but yeah, and I think, Ellen, we, we probably went over a little of this, like how, how are you going to treat, like for you guys with the books, how much are you going to talk about or what are you going to uh-huh. focus on and, and what tone? Is it is it going to be jokey or is yes. it going to be serious? And um, Yeah. And and sometimes you you feel your way through it. I mean, you don't have a. It's not yeah. going to come full blown out of your out of your head in the beginning. So, um, and and for us, you know, with Connie and I, um, we, our our focus is history. So we're we're looking for the most interesting, you know, stories and people that we can get. And and beyond that, you know, they don't have to be academic. Although we've talked to professors and authors, but we'll also talk to somebody with a bottle collection or you know, someone whose whose father was in Chris. Korea or something. Chris, how do you find your guests? They they always seem so off the beaten path, <laughs> yeah, and in a, in a good way. No, no, it, and it it that's what I like about it too. So it, it, you know, there's two of us. So and and the the great thing is, I, I think of Connie as as um, like the Mary Poppins of Long Island history. She know, <laughs> she knows everyone and she's done everything. So she she'll just bring in people. So she brought in like someone who was a stock car racer from the 50s who knew her uncle or something, and he collects you know stock racing memorabilia in his house. And then, and then I, you know, I look around and I uh, meet people or people I've worked with. I'll invite them on, or you know, I cold call people. And usually, people don't say no once you once you explain what you're doing. Sure. No one, for some reason, no one seems to be uh, afraid of of a library podcast. So, which We're is so a good harmless, thing. right? Exactly. Yeah, right. We, exactly. We're like Bambi. That's what I always that's say. Right. What, yeah. what, what could go wrong? <laughs> We're a three-legged kitten or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah three-legged kitten. Yeah. Um, so, Ellen, tell us about uh, yeah. you know. The idea, you said, came from your director, but how did you right. take the idea and run with it? Well, it's um, her original, Helen's original idea, the way I remember it, is that um, we actually do, uh, we send out um, emails to our community listing the most reserved books. And it's it's a kind of a regular list that we send out, just sort of, this is what your neighbors are reading. And guess what? They're all reading James Patterson, and they're all reading Lee Child, you know, all the bestsellers. Um, which is fine, you know, it's great. And I think her original concept right off the top of her head was that this would be an accompanying podcast. 
So, but after Charlene and I talked about it, and I think Chris Kay was in the room with us, we started to say, well, you know, that's fine, but neither of us read those books, so it's going to be hard to talk about them, first of all. And um, second of all, why are we doing a podcast to promote James Patterson? I mean, he, he doesn't need our help at all. He's doing just fine. So let's talk about the books that are, you know, literally in the stacks that nobody, you know, that were bestsellers a few years ago or that people never heard about. Those are actually the books that we read. So um, we talked a little bit further about that. And we, we all kind of liked that idea. And the way Charlene described it to me was, um, and as librarians, you will get this. Somebody comes to the desk and they say, I'm just looking for something good to read. You know, I'm going on vacation or something like that. And, I, and obviously that new James Patterson book is not on the shelf. So you take them and you walk them down. And as you're walking them, that five-minute walk from your desk to in the stacks, you'll say, let me show you, you know, this book. Or I just read that one. Or somebody was just here asking about this author. So you've got a five-minute kind of book talk to sell the book. And that's sort of how um, we envision this. This is a very quick book talk. Of, and, and our podcast lasts approximately five minutes. They're very, very quick. That's why we get so many more done than library pros. Um, <laughs> that um, that was basically how, uh, the way we came up with the format, actually, and the way we talked it out. Okay, that makes. Does that sense. answer the question? It does. It does. And how do you do it in five minutes? That's the part that just baffles uh, me. Five yeah. to ten minutes. It's, it's quick in, quick out. And it's like, wow. yeah. Well, you, you, well, you know, we. Do you still use the timer? Yes, we do use the timer, Mr. K. We go. definitely do use the timer. And um, we come knowing that you got to be quick and we don't want to do spoilers. And, and you know, bang, 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 talk about the book. Charlene will um, ask me a few questions. See, here's what happens. I'll come in. This is the difference between us. Um, I, I like to be prepared. So I will have like three points that I want to say about my book. And I've got five minutes to make my three points. So I'll start off uh, going, you know, a mile a minute because I only have five minutes to get these three things through. And Charlene will interrupt me with a question. And now I'm a little annoyed because now she's thrown me off my game. But that's kind of a fun thing. To, it kind of makes it lively because otherwise it would just be me talking for five minutes and a rehearsed speech about what I want to say for my, about my book talk. So that's kind of the difference between us as well. Um, Charlene is more of an interviewer. And she asks questions. And um, I like to be prepared with my bullet points. So she's a much better uh, interviewer than me. So I, I have, I'm just going to go off-road for one second. So, so Matt, how many podcasts have you listened to? And do you listen to podcasts? Actually, well, I've, I listen to yours. And I've started listening to, uh, to Chris Kay, So And, and, and Ellen's like, uh, since we got started on this. So um, I, like Ellen, uh, I, I wasn't really into the format uh a few years ago though i i um i'm a little bit behind the curve on it to be honest so 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 can i jump in there yeah sure it, so as as an editor we, if if you were to pitch a library journal podcast now or, or w what's in your mind as is, would be a good fit for for your magazine like what kind of podcast would would you want to do Honestly, I, I mean, I think that it would be a format that would be well suited to the review staff. I mean, like if they, you know, whether they wanted to do author interviews or, or uh, you know, talk about what of their opinions of the books um, that they're working on right now. 
Um, I'm not sure with with technology. I mean, I, I really like what uh, Chris D has been able to do here. I mean, in terms of like making a conversational type style, I um, I was actually going to pose this question to you guys, like in terms of, you know, if somebody's getting started with one of these or when you were getting started with one of these, uh, how did you determine what frequency or regularity? Uh, I mean, because that seems very important in terms of building an audience like um, how did you determine the frequency and regularity that you'd be able to support and that the subject would be able to support? Well, for us, it was a matter of just trying to uh, find the time and knowing that, you know, it wasn't going to be a daily and it wasn't going to be a weekly for us um, because we have full-time jobs and we have lives and families and, and, and things like that. Um, I wanted to make it so we weren't inundating everybody to the point where nobody's going to listen because, oh, they put another one out and they're going to talk about the same stuff over and over again. We didn't want to have that quality or that feel. We're not a daily. There's no way you can have this topic and have a daily with it. Um, And I also didn't want to not do it frequently enough that people would listen to one and then forget about it. So the the idea of doing it bi-monthly just made sense, uh, just from the standpoint of the, the topic we talk about um, the amount of time we can devote to it and trying to find guests. Uh, we've been lucky enough to have a guest for every episode. So it's not just, you know, us doing our monologue and, and then just, you know, end up being, you know, throwing chicken wings at each other or something. Uh, so we wanted to uh, have a guest component because that third person coming in adds more to the conversation. And I try to find guests that are in library land, are doing it, but doing things just a touch different. So, you know, that was the the thought behind it. And doing it twice a month, I think, is enough where you're not saturating and you're not falling by the wayside because you don't do it enough. How do you feel about yeah, this? Yeah, it's a fine line because you want to be consistent and you don't want to drop out of people's consciousness, I guess. Sure. But, you know, and I think... Ellen, you've used this too. It, it, sometimes it mm-hmm. feels like feeding the beast. You gotta, you know, you gotta <laughs> keep that pace up. And and what I've been, th- I, th- I think we were always monthly or bi-monthly. It just seemed it seemed like a good uh, pace to have uh, two a month if you can keep it up. But but I've been thinking more about um, doing them in seasons. And I'm, I'm liking that idea more, like maybe doing a bunch and releasing them and then taking the summer off and say season three will be coming <laughs> in in September. Because it's funny because I. If, if I don't have a, an episode to edit and I don't have someone lined up for the next week to interview, you, you kind of get a little itchy and you're like, you, you can feel the absence or like you, you feel so the pressure, the, right? The pressure, right. So, yeah. and you don't want it to be pressurized, you know, you want it, and it is still fun, but it, it is uh, something that you want to be able to maintain. So the, Matt, to your question, I think you have to find the pace that works for your, you know, your circumstance in life and the topic, you know, can you get enough people for the show that you want to do and then um, sort of find the level that, that you can maintain. Sure. Um, and it's funny, Matt, in thinking in terms of LJ, um, when you were talking about it, the first thing that popped into my head is kind of a little bit what CNET does when they have their featurettes. They do their, their video um, episodes whether it's talking about all things Apple, all things Android, and they do like a five-minute or a 10-minute, um, not a discussion as much as it's like an update for technology news and things like that. And I, saw, I thought, as you were talking about it, I said, wow, I could see Library Journal doing something like that, doing like a five-minute spot or a 10-minute spot talking about this person's doing this thing or there's a new trend or 
you know, some transfer, you know, transitioning from overdrive to Libby or that kind of kind of. You know. Well, and I think you also have to find what makes sense to do in audio. Like why, if it's something that's going to go better suited for a newsletter or website or something short, you know, why are you doing it in audio? So, I mean, there's something inherent in, in doing it as an, a podcast production. Like what, what's the reason for being able to hear this and hear someone ex- either explain it or a conversation or something like that? You know, you just don't want to get on and give information that's better delivered through any of the other means we have. Right. And, you know, the, the, using the component of social media, to push True. that either audio or video um, snippet can also enhance it too. This is an unrelated question that just popped in my head, but has, has anyone on this call ever been recognized in public for their voice for the podcast? Like someone says, hey, I know that voice. You're that guy from that show. <laughs> hasn't happened to me yet, but I'm, it's a dream of mine that one day. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't happened with me yet either. But I have at, at computers and libraries, I had... One of our guests come over and uh, say, this is the guy. And I'm like, oh, no. What do you, who, who? And I'm looking behind me like, who is it? And, you know, they, she introduced me to a whole bunch of other uh, library people who are local here on the island. And uh, I was like, wow, this is strangely, oddly what it may actually feel like if you were actually kind of sort of. Don't say it. Known. <laughs> okay. I wasn't going to say that, that, that <laughs> word. And, and then I you know, had that realization, like, no, stop it, stupid. <laughs> it's not going to be that way. How about you, Ellen? Ever, uh, anybody ever notice your voice? Or... Ellen? Has she dropped out? Did she fall asleep? Ellen. Did Have we lose you... Ellen? We might have. We might have lost Ellen. Okay. Wait a second. I can hear you, Ellen. Oh, Hi, Matt. What's going on? (laughs) We didn't hear you there for a second. Oh, all right. Well, that's usually... Okay. Um, I I think LJ should do an editor's roundtable. I've been to meetings there at LJ with a bunch of editors and reviewers sitting around a table um, picking apart things, and it's so funny. Everybody's very bright and verbal, you know, and uh, that's my suggestion for LJ. Get a bunch of your editors sitting around and... uh, Picking a topic that's maybe one of your lead topics in LJ that week or that month and pull it apart. I like you know, that. That's a really good suggestion. I, um, you know, being on this today, this is the first podcast I've ever participated in. So, I, I mean, it seems like uh, something that we could make work. So, I, I mean, that's I'll definitely good. bring that up and bring up the fact that you brought the suggestion up. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, fine. I want to be on the first one, just like there, that's my there legacy you go. That's now. Right. Nice. <laughs> She, she's good luck if you have her yeah. on your first show. Yeah, you're not kidding. You can only go up from there. That's all I can say. <laughs> well, it's a good thing that uh, Matt's participating in this because we're going to talk about nuts and bolts. Okay. That's true, yeah. So let's uh, sharpen your pencil there, Matt. Here we go. So nuts and bolts. We discussed you know, this in, We discussed this in a library journal article um, that there are four main components to getting this thing called a podcast off the ground. So I thought we could uh, each talk about the components. Um and I always felt that number one is digital, number two is hardware, number three is branding, and number four is content. So, you know, we're going to give a warning right now. This could get really geeky. Um, so <laughs> digital, um, you can record all you want. If you can't get it out there, you know, in the ether, then what's the point? So you need a file hoster for your audio, and there are many out there. Um, some of them are SoundCloud, Libsyn, Podbean, Blueberry. The Library Pros uses Blueberry 
uh, as its um, its provider, its file hoster for the audio. So, and the reason why we selected it uh, was because it was robust. It worked. It has a wonderful plugin for WordPress. If you're ever deciding to do a podcast and you want to have a website to support it, I do recommend WordPress. And the plugin for Blueberry is extremely robust. The stats that you get from it are great. Uh, it takes care of all the, the heavy lifting when it comes to iTunes and Google Play and all the podcatchers. And you know, I, I really find it to be a godsend. Um, Chris, what do you use? Uh, I, I use Libsyn, which is another one of the, the major ones. I think it's one of the oldest ones. Uh, and a fun fact, their VP of Podcaster Relations is from Long Island, so there's a connection yeah. there. Okay. But, yeah, and actually I was going to ask you, so in terms of servers and things, I mean, could a library run a file a file hosting server at the same power and quality as, as these commercial ones? I'm guessing no, but, I mean, do you know I enough about streaming? I don't think they would, ha- they would have the ability. You'd need bandwidth. Yeah. You'd need tons of bandwidth. So, I mean, what, what's great about these hosting services, they put you on an even footing with, with any other produced content that's out there. So your, your feed goes into iTunes along with all, um, any NPR show or, or any other you know, uh, show that's out there. So it doesn't mean people will pay attention to it, but it, it, it sort of levels the playing field in that sense, and the barrier to entry is pretty low. Um, I think our plan is $15 a month for 250 megs and they archive all your back shows so it's just you know there's a, there's a cap on how much you can upload in a given month correct but then it stays there so and that's more than enough for the the size shows that we're putting up so and and we get stats too which is great so you get a little addicted to the stats sometimes oh, God, <laughs> you're yeah. checking it's, it a little too much yeah and it is interesting that you know when, when we put this together i would be happy if 15 people you know somewhere here in suffolk county in new york were listening but the the reach of it has been quite humbling, actually. Um, well, and just having it up there, because so we have 49 shows, and, and show number five, you know, it's a historical topic, so someone could find show number five, and it's just as interesting, I would hope, as... So it's not, you know, contem- it's not time-based. It's, it's evergreen, so our, our content, you know, we don't care where they jump into the show. They can, they can pick it up at any point. So, yeah, having a place hosting your, your archive and k- keeping it, you know, it gets an interesting question on preservation, you know, like 20 years from now um, when Library Journal is doing a, a retrospective on whatever happened to podcasting, <laughs> are, are, are files going to be up there? Or, you know, is there going to be the Library of Congress having a, a podcasting uh, division saving this stuff? You know, it's an interesting question. That I don't really, I, I don't do anything special. I've got multiple copies of my MP3 scattered around, but I haven't done any hardcore uh, preservation work yet. Right. Yeah, I haven't really either. It's just, just sitting in a file. <laughs> I have mine on my backup hard drive just in go. case. But um, and one good one thing that I think you brought up, Chris, that, that is a good point. Even with Blueberry, you pay for how much you upload every month, so you could have thirty terabytes of audio on your account, and they're not charging you for the storage space. They're simply charging you for how much you upload every month. And I think we pay twenty dollars a month for. I forget what the file size is. And Ellen, you, we chose Blueberry, right? That you're using. We use Blueberry. As well, and I think we're paying twelve dollars a month. Um, ours are cause it's always a contest, Chris. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so, um, well, but we like it too for the same reasons you do. And it's got a great dashboard. Statistics are real easy. It's very user friendly. Big, you know, big letters on the screen. And, you know, it's it's just easy for the the more non technical people to 
um, maneuver their way around that website. Yeah, and, and oh, all, all these interfaces, you know, we, we work with databases too. So, and it's like, you know, it's no harder than using Dropbox or, or you know, Google Docs. Once you know how to upload something, it, it, it is really exactly. pretty seamless. And Blueberry really is, is just drag and drop once you get it from – so for – in our circumstance, we record on an iPad. And from the iPad, it gives us the ability to export to Dropbox. And then from Dropbox, we import it to the local computer. And then we literally log into the WordPress – uh, go to the Blueberry uh, plugin, and then drag and drop it into the part where you add the file to the post, and it puts it up there. And it's just that simple. Yeah, and, and that's something that it took me a while to 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 use. And Libsyn has a, a similar thing, or they have a, a function where you can, you know, s- scheduling things so you don't have to stay up till midnight and and post right. it or anything like that. And right. they and you can set destinations so you can, you know, post it to the web page. They they give you a web page on their own server. And then, you know, you can push it to YouTube if you wanted. So, yeah, it's amazing the amount of power that you could you know, have these little uh, media networks of your own that you could fairly easily get going. Well, I think it's also important that we bring up that, and I had this same misconception when I first started researching, how do I actually get this done? When you talk to people who are not podcasters and listen to podcasts, they say, oh, well, how do you upload it to iTunes? When in fact you don't upload anything to iTunes, you know Apple is really—it's really kind of a brilliant thing that they just are kind of like uh, the Don King of podcasting. They just promote it without doing any of the real mm-hmm. heavy lifting. Right. And, and they really haven't—I mean, like I said, I started in 2005. They really haven't changed much in terms of the interface or you know the the functionality of it. But, but you know, they, it's called podcasting for a reason because the iPad, you know, was was part of that birth. So they they've done a lot to to foster the growth of it but i think people are starting to look at, at you know inner, uh directories and things like that and and sort of thinking what what comes what's a post itunes world going to look like for for podcasting at some point well yeah that is interesting to bring up and it sounds like an episode for a podcast there you go mm-hmm. okay. but i think it, it is for people who are considering uh doing a podcast it, the reason why we selected blueberry as our um hoster for the audio files is because they set up um, iTunes for you. You need your Apple ID and password to attribute it to an account, and then you have to do all these different steps in order to get it on iTunes or to get your your file promoted on iTunes, your podcast promoted on iTunes. And the same thing is true with Google Play. You need a Gmail account or a Google account, and uh, and that's fairly. This is fairly recent um, for uh, for Google. They only started hosting podcasting or promoting podcasting. I want to say about a year ago or less, and their process was not that dissimilar from from iTunes. But what I find really interesting is um, because with our podcast, and if anybody's been to our website before, thelibrarypros.com, uh, Blueberry also gives you the option with the WordPress plugin to put a player right in the episode. So they don't have to go to iTunes if they don't have an iPhone or an iPad, and they don't have to go to Google Play if, you know, they don't have a Gmail account, and they can play it right there in the page for that episode. So the amount of tools that Blueberry gives you is really robust. But what's even more interesting, and, and Chris, I'm always kind of jealous of your your bumpers talking about um, where you can find your podcast 
because I don't want to rip it off, but I want to rip it off so bad. Why? I feel um, what, what is it? <laughs> remind, you say, remind me of what? <laughs> you can get it on iTunes, Google Play, or oh. any place else you get podcasts. Oh, that's and you, you had mentioned Sketcher and all this stuff. I'm like, wow, he's wait, such but a, that's in the stacks. I, I, you know, it's funny because I the same thing. The one, yeah, and, and the thing I hate is is doing the intro and the outro. So it, I, I change it up probably unconsciously or subconsciously. So I, I can't tell you what I said last time. But, but when you go through the entire list of things, where, where well, your which could be is. confusing though. I mean, I guess one of the questions is, you know, are people what's keeping people? Right, I think right now the stats are like twenty four percent of the population are, are listening to podcasts monthly. So what's keeping the other 75% from listening? You know, it's an interesting question, like how are people finding podcasts? And is it part of the technology? Is it too confusing to say, go subscribe to this? And then they think, well, I don't know how that works or I don't know. But um, I don't know. It's interesting. It, it, yeah. the, the growing the audience, you know, at, at some point is, is we'll talk about the branding and stuff. But it, yeah, yeah. It, it, that promotion piece is important. Um, you know, I... We should talk. We should definitely try to squeeze that in at some point in the podcast. As how do you promote it uh, beyond the beyond the logo? You know, all the, the social media and what do you do in your building? What do you do? Um, you know, how how do you get the word out there? And how do you get that those people to listen? And, and who do you want listening? Right. And and for my, it's interesting for my topic because um, we we talk to a lot of people you know, from different generations, but like, I've, I think I've shown my mother how to listen five or six times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I say, hey, did, I just had that great interview about the hurricane of 38. Did you listen? Oh no, I didn't listen. So it's like, yeah, it, 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 it's a challenge, but, um, thanks mom. What you, I think, and I think we've talked about this before. I think that's something public libraries, that's a role they can play in terms of just, uh, teaching people how to, how to use podcasts. Cause beyond our own shows promoting that there might be information out there that somebody could benefit from if they knew how to sure download mm -hmm. you know use the I, I, uh, iTunes app on their iPad because you guys are helping them use iPad so it's just another step right. of saying did you know you could listen to this and well you know what's interesting too when we look at the stats and I don't want to obsess too much about stats even though I obsess mm -hmm. every day about stats um, when you see the clients that are used and you see the platforms that are used and the and the OS's that are used I don't. I can't speak for for Chris or for Ellen, but for the library pros, it's overwhelmingly iOS and it's overwhelmingly Apple and it's overwhelmingly. Believe it or not, it's not iTunes. It's they're playing it on the website on the through yeah, the player. Yeah, that that tracks with what. But they're playing it in mobile devices, which mm -hmm. I find fascinating, because they have the ability with these mobile devices, whether it's Google Play, or whether it's um, iTunes, or whether it's even. Blueberry actually offers their own podcatchers that you can subscribe to. And there's even one where you can subscribe via email. So when we release a new episode, you get an email instantly that there's a new episode. And you can go and it gives you a link to go right to that site, that page in the site for the player. So they're playing it mostly from our website, but on mobile devices. So I find that kind of fascinating because it's kind of like, well, why are you going to a website when you can just download it from iTunes? But you know what? Hey. Keep listening, guys. We love yeah. it. I would say it's the same for us, too. It seems to be mostly website hits. And I, and I blame – I account that because that's how we promote it. When we go on Facebook, when we go on Twitter, when we um, talk about it, we say, and find us at instackspodcast.wordpress.com. That's how we, we are promoting the website. We're not, you know, and oh, by the way, you can get it, you know, through Stitcher or, or whatever. 
Right. Well, yeah. So, but the, we are promoting the website. Well, and I, I think it's it, and that makes sense to people. So if I say LongIslandHistoryProject.org, just to throw my sure <laughs> plug away. Plug, plug, plug. But you know it, that they that they that's a model. That's a mental model that they're used to. But again, yeah. I think this whole subscription podcatchers apps. It's still it's only twenty five percent of the population that that right. are into that so far. Well, I mean, you have to also look at it in terms of um, they've been saying this since the nineteen late nineteen forties that radio was dying. Um, I, I mean, because Chris knows I'm a Bing Crosby nut, and I listen to all the old radio shows. And from the early 1950s on, the big joke was, "Oh, TV, it's just a flash in a pan, and radio is king." And radio really has evolved and developed over time. And will podcasting kill radio? No, but will it take those people who are forced off of regular radio because of FCC regulations and and some of the overregulating that's happening with radio? Will it push them to podcasts? It already has. It's already pushed Opie from uh, Anthony from Opie and Anthony into podcasting. Uh, it's probably going to push Howard Stern into podcasting at some point. Uh, and you get the flexibility of not having to be live every day if you don't want to be. Right. Well, and, and you know, one of the early synonyms for podcasting was narrow casting or niche casting. Right. So, I mean, we, we could have waited forever. There was never, there was never going to be an NPR show on Long Island history. You know, so so I think what podcasting did it was was enable people to to bring these things up with that were never going to make it into the mainstream anyway, just because you know that they're aiming at a broader audience. Yeah. So it, it, we're sort of filling a, a different level of a different layer of the atmosphere. We're at a different altitude. A, we have a long tail. Yeah, you a go. long yeah. tail of broadcasting, right? Yes. So Matt, how do you feel about all this? Um. Oh, sorry. I. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I'm not really sure if I have anything to add. I mean, it's uh, I mean, it's certainly you can appeal to like different you know niches that, uh, especially with the library field. I mean, there's there's just infinite subject matter that uh, we have specialists in the field who can talk about. So I mean, it's it just seems like a natural fit for librarians. Uh, you know, whether it's showcasing collections or whether it's you know talking about their areas of expertise. I mean, it's. Um, like Chris Case said, I mean, it used to be called narrow casting, and or uh, yeah, so you can appeal to a bunch of different uh, specific audiences. Matt, one thing I'm I'm doing as we talk, and I'll, I'll challenge you to by the end of the episode, we need to come up with a title for your library journal yeah. podcast. I think I think the, <laughs> the title is key. That's 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 how Twitter. you track it. You know, if you can find the right title. Well, the people following on Twitter, please tweet your <laughs> suggestion. Yes. To Matt Ennis at Library Journal. That's really great. So. Uh, and helping Matt out with his new podcast that he's going to be developing now. Let's talk a little bit, a little more about hardware. Um, for me, as much as the digital end of things was daunting to understand, well, how do I get it to iTunes? Wait, I don't upload it to iTunes. Now what do I do? Oh, no, now I have a subscription. Now I have all these other things. The next thing was hardware. Now, in my mind, I had envisioned every guest having a microphone, having on headphones, there's a board or some kind of recording device, and I want, wanted to use an, an, either an iPad or an iPhone, something portable, because if I wanted to take it on the road, I didn't want to have to lug a huge you know, dashboard kind of uh, sound mixing board with me. So um, it, it evolved, and Ellen can speak to the trials and tribulations of episode number one of the, the, the <laughs> yes. Library Pros podcast where we recorded the whole thing and realized, yeah, Chris didn't press the lock button on the microphone. <laughs> right. 
So yeah, we had to do it a second time. But it was better the second time. It I was think. much better the second time. Yeah, because we could laugh at it. But the problem was I had gotten two, and this is no dig on, on the product because the product is excellent. The Blue Yeti microphone, it's a great microphone. Uh, but I wanted to have every guest to have the microphone. But we found out that uh, they, when they manufacture the microphones and they program them, they program them all with the same uh, like digital serial number. So if you plug two into a laptop to record with them, they cancel each other out. Oh, wow. So our first episode was recorded with a single mic, which was, it sounds great. You wouldn't be able to really tell. I mean, it was a little more echoey than I would have wanted. But it was almost like the three of us huddled over a fire in the, <laughs> Arctic, in the Arctic trying to stay warm. Yeah, it was very cozy. I mean, I like Ellen and Bob, but do I really want to be <laughs> that close? You know, and I, I think, you know, more than the technical, the website and the uploading and things, I think the audio technology was the biggest new hurdle for me to, to learn microphones, mic placement. I, I just read something where I've been doing mic placement wrong for the, for the last four years. Yeah. So, um, so just learning, you know, what makes good sound. Because everything has a mic on it now. The laptop has a microphone. The iPad, iPad iPhones have microphones. Sure. So it's easy to record something, but not to record it well and, and to you know, control the sound and get a good room. You know, Ellen, we look for a quiet room. You know how hard that yeah. was to find. What, oh, my you know. God. I have funny stories about the quiet room. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's not easy because all the all the things we talked about uploading, getting the server and stuff is, is really after you have good audio. And you, and to get good audio, it's not as easy as, as you think or as I thought. Yeah. Right. You, do you want to talk about your, your room yeah. trouble? Yeah, well, one of the things that I, I wanted to mention was, um, yeah, the location when you do the recording because you need to be aware, and, and this is something Chris Kay helped us um, diagnose with what was wrong with some of our recordings. You have to be aware of ambient sound. Um, so you have uh, air, you have your you know HVAC, you know the air conditioning, the heating, the room creaking, the fluorescent lights, um, jewelry banging on the table. Uh, you know there's there's a million million uh, little things that you don't really hear when you're in the room, but then oh my God, when you play the recording, you're uh, what is that noise? There was a buzz throughout our first ones that we tried to do solo without Chris, and there was just a, a constant hum. And until we figured that out, that was that was a challenge. And um, the second thing about being in a quiet room, I, I'm, I'm assuming that many libraries are like our library and that you cannot find a quiet room. You know, we're very proud that we're busy and there's people and this is something that we want. We want the library to be full of life, but um, it can cause problems. We, we were in a room um, and we decided we were going to be smart and kind of do it a little bit after hours. And little did we realize that um, the brownies meet it right next door. So we, we went in the room and then we were recording and there's a lot of shrieking and, and running around uh, outside of the door. And so you hear a lot of noise that way. Um, and then we got smart and we decided that we were going to put up a sign. First of all, lock the door and put up a sign that says recording in progress because we, we also we had a custodian who decided to come in and he just starts dragging tables around. I, you know, I, it, we, we couldn't believe it. You know, we, we were trying, he can see us sitting there with the microphones, but he said, Hey, I need these tables in room B. And he just like comes in and just, you know, dragging the tables around. So if you can find the right time and the right place and without a lot of ambient sound, you're, you're doing good. So that's something to think about when you want to uh, record. Sure. So let's talk for a minute about. Oh, Matt, did you want to say something? Oh yeah. Matt, was, is there a quiet room there? 
Oh, here in, in this office? Our office is kind of tiny, so we're always, like, uh, bumping into each other. I, I may, I'm using uh, Rebecca's office for this, though. Um, but I, I, was, I was wanting to ask, I mean, you, you talk a little bit about this in the article, but, I mean, not to get the impression of any listeners today that, uh, you know, you have to be, like, an audio expert. I mean, are, is there plug-and-play technology that, that you can purchase uh, that, that's not too expensive for a small library, for example? Oh, absolutely. Um I paid for everything out of my pocket, so I did not have a lot of money to spend. When I first started, I was still a part-timer. But what I found that the first component that I wanted to find is that it was going to be recorded somehow with an app. And I, believe it or not, the first app I saw I fell in love with, uh, it's called Boss Jock. Uh, We're recording with it right now. Uh, The initial sticker shock was that it wasn't a dollar ninety nine? It was actually ten. <laughs> it was ten dollars, which is like, whoa, that's a lot of money for an app. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but all the reviews were great, and what I like about it is, it's just it's so simple to use. Um, you can use it. I I believe it's also for Android. So you have if you have a Samsung Galaxy tablet, or or you can do it right from your phone. Uh, what's interesting about it is it's set up like a radio station. You have a a volume control that's a mix between the mics and the carts that are available, uh, or you can just control the mic level, or you can control just the cart levels. Now, if for people who don't know what carts are, cart is, is radio lingo f- that's short for cartridge, because back in the old days, um, after records, everything was all your commercials and, and, and spots and bumper music were on carts. So you had to have the carts plugged into different uh, players, and have them ready to go one after the other, so you'd have to punch them on the board so you know to switch from one channel to another when you were going to run one spot and another spot and things like that. So the app actually has uh, 5, 10, 15, 20 slots for different um, carts. So for me, it's the bumper music. Uh, When I had one guest on who was a, a fellow podcaster, I kind of borrowed his sound effects, and as he was doing different things, I would play the sound effects in the background. And it made his day, and it made the podcast, because I tried to like, make him feel at home by taking elements of his podcast and, and putting it in, in his episode. So all my bumper music is there, all of uh, my intros and outros. And what's really unique about the carts is that each cart has a setting where I can set the fade for it. So if I touch the cart and it starts playing the music, and then I touch the cart again to turn it off, it doesn't turn off, it fades. So instead of having a separate channel for each cart where you have to manually fade it down like they do in radio, it does it automatically once you set that fade. So it makes it really easy to do all the bumper music and intros and outros and all that other stuff because there are settings within each cart. And the ability to import um, the sound effects and, and music in is extremely easy. The ability to export the... Uh, episode afterwards is extremely easy. You can name it as a file and then upload it to, like I said, to Dropbox and then download it and do all those other things, but it's already named. So it's not as though you have to deal with this foreign string of characters and then have to guess whether or not that's your episode. So in terms of app develop, an app to use for recording, that's what I use. And then I record it using the iPad and I have a four-track board uh, made by Alsis. It's A-L-E-S-I-S where it's made for iPad. So you can slide the iPad into it, plug in the lightning connector, and now it's connected and communicating with the board, which has 
four sliding tracks and all the knobs and, and little doohickeys and things. And then it goes XLR microphone out to the mics. And I did this whole thing on Amazon. So the, I was saying to Chris before when we were setting up, the XLR mic cords were $5 each. Uh, I The first set of mics I bought were a three-pack, and they were $40 for three mics with the, the mic holders and a padded case. The mic stands were $8 each, and they're pretty substantial. They're the heaviest thing I carry when I move my, my stuff around. And um, if I need to do more than four guests, there are XLR splitters that I think were $8 each. So now I have the ability to do eight microphones on a four-track. And, and, and Matt, to your question, I think there's a, there's an almost an endless variety of, of ways to do it. So you could literally get a USB microphone and, you, and stick it in your laptop. And if you're doing mm-hmm. a one-person show, that's all you need. Sure. And, and free editing software. So I, I, I do, and Ellen, you're similar a little bit, but you can talk about your setup. But I, okay. I do um, a little bit differently. I have an external digital recorder. It's a Marantz. Um, and XLR microphone. So I, I record, but then I do a lot of editing after the fact, a lot of post-production. So um, I don't have like the, the carts and things. I, I do have some intro music that I, I add in, in the editing software, but usually it's more just like sitting with people. I, I do a lot of oral history too. So it's a, it's a portable machine that I can set up in a kitchen as easily as you know, a boardroom or, or someone's backyard. So I, I like that portability of it. It was a little more expensive. I think the, the recorder was maybe 300 when I bought it and the mics are interesting because again, you can get cheap mics that sound pretty good, but then you could spend as much money as you have on a mic because you can get mics up to like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars if you go into the, the pro end of it. So, sure. you know, you can go crazy trying to get, get better and better mics. So, I mean, you have to find your level again. What, what kind of show are you doing? What kind of sound are you doing? Is it more conversational? If it's just one person, you know, a, a good USB mic can be fine too. So, um, so, you know, again, my, my setup is microphones, digital recorder, and then I export that after the fact into my editing and, and do a lot of the post-production work on that. Use Audacity, right, for your editing? Audacity, yep, which is a free program, and, you know, it's, that's a godsend for me. I don't, I don't even want to learn anything else. Once I learned that, <laughs> yeah. I knew enough uh, to do what I needed to do. Yeah. Well, and it's because Chris K was our... Um, technical advisor we use the exact same format as he does surprise so we have a portable digital recorder and which we plug two microphones in and um and it has a power supply so we plug that into the wall and um yeah then we take we take the file off of that we bring it into audacity and we do what we have to do from there so it's a quick uh one two three process but i I do love the idea of the laptop and uh, and a mic and that's all and that's a nice idea for libraries to um, make it available for their patrons. If their patrons want to try making their own podcast, you can have that ready to go. And you can you can lend it out. Or they or you could have a little room somewhere and you could say, hey, either they can be a guest on your podcast or you could say, here's how we do it. You put Audacity on the laptop and um, and then maybe we you host it up on Blueberry for them. And bing, bang, boom. Now you've got a new service for your patrons as well. You know, you do, you... you... Pair up with a sister library across the country, and then just have one patron Skype another patron and do like a little yeah. uh, long distance uh, story back. tour or something, yeah, and let them connect with you know a rural <laughs> library talking to a metropolitan library or something like that. You know, that's a cool idea. There you go. Yeah, it sounds like uh, you can call it like the City Mouse and Country Mouse podcast or something like that. <laughs> well, yeah. there you go. Yep, not too there bad. You go. Not too bad at all. 
Um, so, so Matt, does that sound scary? Or you know, if you were on the outside looking in, would you just say they lost me an hour, <laughs> 20 minutes ago talking yeah. about <laughs> mixers and and again, I, I think you just have to find something that you feel is worth doing, and then that all these decisions are just sort of the part of the process. You know, don't don't get uh, bogged down in the minutia. You know, think about the idea and how you want to do it yeah. and how you want it to sound. Sure. And then a lot of these decisions will almost be made for you because you're working towards a certain uh, certain goal. That's true. That's true. How do you feel about that, Matt? No, I mean, great answer. I I, uh, I know. I yeah. I I hope I'm not striking the wrong balance here uh but uh I, I did think you know like people that are interested in uh getting into this they might be in, you know might have those concerns you know this this sounds complicated uh but you know yeah it really isn't as bad as you think because i didn't know anything about this going into it and and like chris was saying all you need really do need is a mic a, a usb microphone and a laptop if you're doing a one or two person show and and you know there's there's evidence out there now so i mean you, you can find a show on anything and and you can see that people have done it so i think that's that's the the, right. pro the proof is out there so i think that should be uh, encouraging to to people that are thinking about it i i've seen people do it with the voice recorder on an iphone you know yep. and just using that and then exporting that file um you know to their MacBook and then editing it in Audacity, and now they have a podcast. You know, it's funny when I interview people, I try not to talk so I don't have to edit out things. So I'm agreeing with you by nodding my head, but then I realize <laughs> no, no one knows I'm doing that. So I'll have to say yes. That is pretty funny. Um, yeah, but it's really not that bad. And uh, I'm sure if, if Library Journal was interested in doing something like that, they could start off literally with a Blue Yeti microphone and a MacBook or a Windows PC or even a. a, a uh, what do you call it, a Chromebook. So it's really, it isn't not as daunting as it seems. And what ends up usually happening, um, doesn't sound like it happened with you, Chris, but as you keep moving forward, um, you want more technical equipment, you, you want to keep upgrading right, and, right. And, and moving forward with mm -hmm. it. Um, I've been fortunate enough that after that first episode with the Blue Yeti mic, I kind of retooled everything and found this board and, and I've been going ever since episode two with, with this setup and it seems to be working very well. So I don't think I would ever upgrade unless something broke, to be honest with you. Um, but it really, it's not as scary as it seems. Not, not in the least. Um, so Ellen brought up before, you know, the very important part of branding. Um, and it seems that when you go to iTunes, everyone has some type of logo or artwork that represents their podcast. So let's discuss, you know, why we chose the logo and the branding that we have for our respective podcasts. And, you know, let's also talk social media because that's how I find a lot of my guests. Yeah, and I think, I think iTunes, you need it at, at this stage. I don't think a lot of new listeners will come to our type of shows through that unless for some reason, you know, we rise in the rankings or something. So I think right. word of mouth and, and referrals is probably our, our best uh, marketing strategy. But yeah, in, in terms of logos, um, you want to keep it simple. Again, think of people looking at this on their phone. So you don't want like a lot of detail in the image. You want something that's going to stand out. It's like your business card almost in the digital world. So, you know, for the library, for the Long Island History Project, it's, and this might be a little cliche, but it's, it's a, it's the name of the show and it's the, a, um, a copyright free image. It's public domain image of the Fire Island lighthouse, the, the actual, the lens of the lighthouse that I cropped and did some, uh, you know, 
did some colorization to. So it, if you look at it, you see Long Island history, and you see the, a lighthouse, an old-looking lighthouse, and that's sort of a, the kind of it feel. That yep, that's what we're trying to get across. Exactly, sure. I, I was tempted to put uh, headphones on it, <laughs> but, but then <laughs> I, I stopped myself because I figured. Uh, the, the, but the one thing I, I did do, because we, we record at the Sable Public Library most times in, in a room like Chris or I in now, a conference room with big glass windows, and people would, you know, invariably come over and look in. So I, I created a poster that I, when we're recording, I, I pasted in the window that says, you know, the name of the podcast and stuff. So Perfect. That's a good idea. Now on the air. Mm-hmm. They can, they can go back and check it out. Let me write that down. Poster <laughs> in window. Because we have a window here in the boardroom at, at Sachem, and people kind of look in like, what are those guys doing in right, there? Right. As they walk into the technology center. And every once in a while, they look over and like, oh, what are those guys doing over there? And how how could I get in on that sometimes? And, but the other thing is, and the, the cover art or album art sometimes, but iTunes is tricky because they have specifications like how, how big it has to be, yes. the dimensions and Resolution. things. Resolution. Right. And and they can actually reject it or it could screw up your, your feed if you don't do it right. So pay attention to the the uh, how you create the image file. Right. So, Alan, tell us about the logo for In the Stacks. Um, well, for, for In This Text, um, our, we're lucky enough to have a graphic artist who uh, is employed by the library. So we, um, we asked him to create something for us. And it's funny because um, we gave him zero guideline. And he came up with four different images. And we, myself and uh, Charlene and uh, the lady that's in charge of programs, we looked at the four images and we all said, you know, we absolutely loved one of them. We thought it was outstanding, our best one. So, but, you know, we didn't want to tip our hand. We went into our director, and um, since she is in charge sort of of the public face of the library, so she likes to, um, you know, be able to help us decide what should be out there for the public to see. So we brought it to her, and she looked at them, and she says, well, I like all of them except that one. And so you know which one that she put her finger on. <laughs> uh, and we were like, oh, um, oh, okay. And then we, she was real nice. You know, we were a little disappointed and we, we left the room kind of crestfallen. But then we, we, we rallied ourselves and we went back in and we said, oh, we really, really love that one. That's one we really like. And, um, and she, you know, let us have that one. I mean, she, she said, all right, you know, you guys love it. That's, that's, that's all I needed to hear. It's really, it's, we wanted to keep it simple. Just as you said, it has to be readable because it's really teeny tiny on the desktop or on your phone. So you want it to be able to be read. And um, it's, it's very sort of, even though it's just text, it's a very sort of kinetic um, image. The, the words kind of spin a little bit. They have some dimension. So it's a little 3D looking. Um, so that's the story of our logo. Uh, it really was the brainchild of our graphic designer. Wow. That's really cool. Um, yeah. We love it. When, when I had the concept of the podcast, I wanted something that, was, that, that screamed libraries. So what better you know, idea than the street sign for libraries. It's, there's no copyrighted trademark on that. It's a street sign. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So okay. it's, it's just, you know, it's, good it's, to know. it's a street sign. So, uh, my brother, who's an artist, I said to him, I had this idea. Can we take, since there's two of us and it's not singular, can we take the library that, that ubiquitous, you, I can't say the word ubiquitous, ubiquitous, <laughs> yep. ubiquitous library sign and mirror image it. So they're back to back. And change the color. We don't want it to be white. I wanted it to be 
like a, a nice blue color. And put headphones on them. <laughs> we didn't put headphones on them. Absolutely. And then he came up with the concept, and he, he put the logo in with, uh, with you know, the name, Library Pros. He picked the font. I, I, the only thing I could take credit for is actually selecting the, the, the actual, you know, library sign kind of person reading a book. Which is ironic because we don't talk about books. <laughs> but uh, and he designed the rest, and he says, "What do you think?" I said, "Make it blue, and you got a deal." So he made it blue, and it was great. Sent me a high res, and it was you know the rest is history. It was, mm-hmm. but I just wanted something that said library without it having to say library. And I think that just does the job. You would look at it, and if you didn't see the the library pros, you know, verbiage above it and below it, you would say, "Oh, this must be about libraries." So yeah, I wanted and to it's keep perfect, it. I wanted to keep perfect it for library pros because the people in the biz, you know, we know that symbol oh so well. So uh, you're, it's it speaks to your audience. Yeah, it it just worked, and we got lucky um, that we had such a good idea for it. So so let's talk about um, you know if a tree falls in the woods and mm-hmm. and it's, it's not over Twitter, does anybody hear it? Right. Well, you know, it's funny. I I think the key to the kingdom for us or for us or for my show that we found is, is Facebook, uh, you know, um, mm-hmm. Twitter. Yes. Depending on, you know, if, if you're tweeting it to a certain person or if it's a certain pa- uh, hashtag, uh, if, if you want to talk about sort of strategies, one, one thing we found with being a history podcast, we look for opportunities. So, um, with the popularity of the Culper spy ring and AMC's mini uh, no, it's a series turn, which is finishing up, uh, I think it starts next week. Um, we made sure we did a few interviews about the Culper spy ring and Washington spies on Long Island talking to the people like out in East Hampton who had the actual papers of some of these people. And so, you know, we look for things that might pop up in the news if we can. Because, um, again, once once you put it out there, it, you're fighting for attention. And, and within, you know, a day or two, people have moved on. So the more you can tie it to either current events or if it's – you're interviewing a guest. I, Chris, you've got great guests that have sort of national appeal that can help. And, and again, any any person you interview, you want to be able to tap into their network. So if they have their own Twitter or make sure they put it on their web page exactly. or on, on their Facebook account, and then you just multiply. It's a multiplying effect. Hopefully. Tag everyone. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> tag, For tag, sure. tag. Uh, Ellen, uh, Ellen uh, how do you handle social media? Uh, again, the nice thing about... Um, Facebook and uh, our blogs on WordPress and even Twitter is that you can schedule everything. So if you know that your podcast is going to come out June 1st, you can create your blog post and you can create your Facebook post and you can schedule a tweet and they all happen concurrently. So that's what I try to do. Um, uh, Facebook, we try to, if we can get on the, on the author's wall and post to the wall or the narrator's wall and or or tag them get on there that's good um tagging the the author or the narrator is always good we we've been retweeted um by authors just because um of doing that and that and i have to say thank you to chris k for that idea way in the beginning so we that's very helpful i didn't know it Uh, would work but that's good (laughs) it's good that it worked (laughs) well you you were right um so that that's what we I think that's the best thing, too. And we also embed it on our uh, library webpage, and I don't know how much good that does. Who looks at web pages anymore? I don't know. Nobody. But um, we put it there as well. I think it's Facebook. I think Facebook is king for, you know, kind of spreading anything nowadays. 
That's true. It's true. And and I want to second what you said, Ellen, about the scheduling aspect of things because uh, it's nice on a Sunday afternoon. I can sit down and, and just almost lay out a calendar and and mm-hmm. try to push the social media out there. Um, and one thing that I do like to do is not to be overbearing with it. Well, I'll do two posts a day. Uh, some of it is recap. Some of it is this is what's coming. Some of it is... Uh, have you seen this interesting article regarding something with libraries and technology? Uh, so you try to keep it lighthearted, but you also try to get the info out there. And again, even with old episodes, I keep tagging the guests, especially on Twitter, uh, because they'll retweet it every single time. And every time you retweet it, mm-hmm. that's another set of eyes that you're not either friends with yeah. or connected to on, on Twitter. And I actually use LinkedIn as well. And, uh, Does that work? Do you get a good response to that? LinkedIn, it's not great, but it's still another, it's still another means of getting the word out there. You kind of never know. You, mm. And you never exactly, you never know. The right person may see it, and now next thing you know, it's being tweeted by a celebrity or by somebody in the industry, and you, that's all you need is just that one. Right. No. The right. The right influencer. The, the right connection to the right network yeah we 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 tweeted one to um we we interviewed a documentary filmmaker and by the time it posted he was showing his film at a theater in california and i (laughs) tweeted it to their account and that jumped it up a couple hundred downloads just from that so yeah and you're you're always hustling kind (laughs) of yeah you gotta find a a way to get the word out tastefully but you know you gotta be persistent i guess and and that's and that's part of the struggle too that you don't want to be shy about posting, but yet you don't want to throw 30 tweets a day out because you, right. you don't want to be that guy. Right. Because people will tune. They'll be like, all right, I got it. You know, I've yeah. seen you. Oh, look, it's that guy again. I'm just going to push right past yeah. it. I'm not even going to look to see what the link is or see who right. he tagged or see what you're talking Post about. On, on lots of different Facebook pages every day. Um, then after a while, I just I stop. Even, even if I want to be nice and I want to keep liking just because I'm nice. <laughs> After a while, I don't want to encourage this behavior, and I stop hitting that <laughs> like button <laughs> because exactly. it's, I don't like it anymore. It's, stop. I, I heard you the first 10 times you said it. It becomes social media static. Yeah, it's, it's annoying. Now, I think Chris K. should um, post his stuff to Drunk History. Have you ever watched that oh, show? Yeah, no, I've, I've watched it, yeah. Yeah, I love that show, and I, I bet they would be interested in – I think you should be one of the drunken guests, <laughs> one of the drunken narrators on that show. And promote yourself over there. One thing I want to do is is a live show, and I don't know how that would work, but it'd be oh, interesting to do. Oh, a drunken live show. Well, that's it. We could have. <laughs> we could do <laughs> the, doing it right now. The history of uh, beer on Long Island. There you go. Oh, yeah. That, that's our way in. I want to be your guest. But you know, some some kind of event. You know, make it into an event that you, you draw the crowd in. Yeah, because we're sitting in a library, and I'm thinking, well, if someone was looking through the window, do you invite them in? I mean, can you yeah. record for a live studio audience? You know, people have done that. So sure, is that, is that worth trying? But can you? I mean, the question would be not maybe not for you, but for me. How do you find the live audience? I mean. That's true, yeah. I mean, think about just in the city, they're giving away free tickets to some of the shows they're trying to to, to push out there. and you know. well, Or it could be a panel at a, con- you know, the next library conference, Long Island Library Conference, you could mm-hmm. have a panel where it's a live recording of the show. Of, sure. Pick, a, pick one of our shows and we'll do a live recording of it. <laughs> sure. And people can show up and, you know, and uh, be part of the audience. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, since we talked about all the other things, the most important 
Not that the technology isn't important, but I think the most important thing is content. You can have the board, you can have the mics, you can have the social media, you can have the, the hoster and have everything in place, but the microphones have to turn on and you have to actually say something. And not just say anything, but say something that's going to mean something to the listener. You know, it's going to have a point, it's going to be poignant, and it's going to be something that's not just informative, but I think entertaining as well. So now, you know, now that, you know, the secrets of the inspiration of hosting and equipment and all that other good stuff, you know, now what? It's almost, you know, it comes full circle back to the inspiration where we talked about before. Where's that spark? Where, what happened? Now what do you do with it? Without the content, what's the point? So let's talk about how we approach content. Now, content can mean different things for different people, but in the text of a show or a podcast, it's what's the topic? What are we talking about? What's this topic going to be versus that topic? And how do you keep it from being repetitive? Right, right. Well, I, I can jump in to start, sure. but and I think one of the ways, like I mentioned, I, I kind of took a break for a couple of years. And I, I think the well, one of the keys is picking a topic or or the idea has to be something that you're passionate about that that you know you're interested in because if you're not interested in it, then no one's going to want to listen to someone talk about something that that they don't like or that they feel is a drag. So um, again, picking your your the kernel of your show has got to be something that is near and dear to you. Um, for us, you know, I, I'm interested in history, so there's always uh, I, the, the way that I tell that I'm still engaged is that I'm always thinking of new ideas. We can do this, we can do this. So you know, um, I'm thinking about doing a show on police history on Long Island. The, you know, the, the rise of the different ways the police worked out here. I found a connection just through reading of to early Mormon history and Long Island, which I haven't really seen covered anywhere. Uh, we're trying to get someone in whose parents were in vaudeville that retired to the island. So I, I think you, you have to keep. You're, you're always sort of thinking about the show. So you're the you're the producer. You've got to sort of take on that mantle, and you're always trying to develop you know something, um, and and just keep it interesting. So for us with history, we're thinking about you know which what what time period haven't we covered yet? You know, did we do too much on the revolution? Let's try to do something on World War One, or who do we know that can talk about this or that? Um, We've done some on Robert Moses. We could do more on him probably for years. Um, and, and trying to find the people that, you know, we talk about finding guests and Connie has a great network and I meet people that I, that I you know, just can't be afraid to ask them to be on the show. So, um, you know, so I think if, if the idea gets you thinking and you can't stop thinking about it, that's a good sign. And then it's just a matter of, of keeping at it. And, and what I found is like if I have an idea the sooner you act on it, the better. So, like, I, there's yeah. people that I, I've thought, well, I should get in touch with them, and then for some reason, it, it's too late, and you know, the the moment is gone where you had a chance to ask them. So, I think always, be, always be producing, and always, you know, reach out to people as soon as you have the idea. Well, doesn't it seem like because there are about three or four guests so I've been trying to acquire for a while, where they you write to them on Twitter, they direct message you, that's great. When do you want to do it? And you throw dates out, and then you get crickets. And you, yeah. there are three or four people who I really, who are doing some amazing things out there and I want to get. And it could mm -hmm. be, it's just a scheduling thing or they haven't looked at their Twitter feed or they haven't checked their personal email or they haven't checked their email through their website. But, you know, the question is that how do you get these people? And I've been fortunate enough to get some pretty nationally recognized people um, on my podcast, which I didn't think. I thought I'd be interviewing, you know, 
just local Suffolk County and maybe if I'm lucky, a couple of Nassau County library people. <laughs> Reach and, the stars, Chris. And, you know, and Twitter has been great for that. I mean, I even sent one to Neil deGrasse Tyson. Obviously, I didn't oh, yeah? hear back, okay. but I mean, that would be <laughs> mm-hmm. that would be a lot of fun because he's very entertaining and he has his own podcast. There you go. But, well, like, like I said, people, will, you know, they don't usually say no, but like you're right, you have to nail them down. And, and I guess you just always have to have a, a lineup of people. So I have a list of people, some I've talked to three times already and it hasn't happened yet. And some, you know, you call them and they say, sure, I'll come in next Sunday. So I, I guess you just got to keep always, always be moving. As I pull a list out of my pocket with a list of about <laughs> oh, how many people, go. Chris? All right. Yeah, nice. <laughs> see, see, I'm showing the camera for. Uh, oh. For Matt and Alan, I, yeah. I got a whole list of people, you know, and and some of them have a little S next to them, meaning okay, you got to write a script. So yeah. you know, and, and it's constantly turning in my head. Oh, I can get this person, or I can get that person, or it wouldn't be great to get this person. And you know, it also begs the question because Alan, uh, other than having um, other librarians in, uh, you really don't do guests. It's just it's kind of no. like your well, we, yeah, it's no. a discussion. No. We don't. Um, we have five minutes. So it's kind of rude to invite somebody in and they're like, all right, that's enough. Goodbye. You know, we're done with you. We, we don't really. We don't, but by the time we do the opening and the closing five minutes, it's done. You know, that's it. So the, the challenge for us is as far as content goes is that we're discovering that I, I now I need to go back into my reading history and remember all those books. You know, I'm a lifelong reader like, you know, all of us probably are. But I don't really remember a whole lot about books. But once I, I look through my reading history, it's like, oh, yeah, that was a great book. And then I can pull it because it's, now it's in the stacks. Nobody else is reading it. And I can pull it out and talk about it. So um, that's the challenge is to find something that I, I remember and that I, can, I have something to say about. It wasn't just like, oh, this was good. You know, it's got to be something um, – I can make a couple of points about it and make it sound interesting to other people. Mm. Well, what, what I envy about the way you and Charlene do it is you can sit down and do five episodes in a session yes. and then bank them yeah. and then you've got them ready <laughs> to go. That's it. Yeah, we do. We, we have, in fact, we're going to be doing them next week. We got another, like, we have another librarian coming in and we're going to do like six in an hour. And See, then it's, you know, I hear and it's off for the summer. Yeah, and, and I hear that, and I say, yeah, that will get me to September if I, you know. Yeah. So, but oh, which, well, which is interesting. One thing we haven't talked about is, is, is length. So you've got five minutes. I Mine usually 40 to 40 minutes to an hour. And, yeah. Chris, I think you're on the high end. Yeah, <laughs> I'm between yeah. an hour and a half and two oh, hours. Yeah. We've been oh, talking yeah, tonight. We've been talking. Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah. And and there is no perfect length, but I think it should fit nope. the topic. So sure. So yeah, and it's engagement. You know, yeah. you don't want to hear somebody in the middle of the podcast going. Yeah. You know, well, it, that was our fear, and that's why we decided people will put up with you no matter what for five minutes. You know, judging on how long you can stand a video on Facebook, um, actually, that's more like two minutes. But we figured, all right, you know, we'll people can we'll put up with it for five minutes, and then we're done. We're out of there. So. That was basically why we chose that. Right. So, you know, um, selecting a topic for each episode, for for the library pros, obviously it's based upon the guest. And it's something mm-hmm. that they're doing that's, you know, innovative, different, or just something in technology. So we try to base our episode topic on the guest, but we try to also teach, not teach as much as inform the listener, who this person is, because not everybody's going to know who Gina Millsap is from 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 T- Topeka and Shawnee P- 
public library that system. Was a great episode, by the way, Chris. She's amazing, isn't she? Did a she? fantastic job. She is amazing, and you did a great job. You know, um, talking to her and getting her to, uh, you know, talk about all her ideas. It was really wonderfully done. It was pretty inspirational. She's a very inspirational person, and I was lucky enough that you know she she is so outgoing and so forthcoming. Because the first time I'm speaking to them is when I pull up the video feed. Okay. Well, and it's interesting. Some people are are easy interviews, or or they go, you know, you get in a flow with them or something. Some sure. people, it, it's a more of a, a lift, but some but people teeth pulling. Yeah. And then I can tell because I go back into edit, and there's nothing to edit, and, and, and you know, you're editing out a lot of pauses, nice. right? Right. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. you can't edit because they just—it was so great the whole thing. Right. You leave it right. all in. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's how we approach the topic of each episode. It's it's guest driven, and obviously, Chris, for you, it's the same thing because they're coming and talking about a particular topic in history. Yeah, and what I find I have to pay more attention to is making sure <clears throat> you talk about context. So, like, we're usually talking to people that we we know or that on a topic that we we know pretty well in depth. And you sort of gloss over the details. So you have to back up and say, you know, well, this person was the governor of New York at this time or, you know, give some context because we don't want to lose people. And that's what I like about your podcast that, yeah. because you do take that step back and say, well, for those of you who don't know, you know, Rockefeller was the governor at the time. And at the time there was this happening and that happening. Mm-hmm. So you pull back and put things in context while the person is talking about something. And that's mm-hmm. what I absolutely love about the way you interview because you not only know about the topic – you also know about the context. Well, and that's I think you learn that you have to have two brains when you, when because you, you're your own producer. Like if we were in a if we were doing this for a, a profession, getting paid, we'd have somebody in a booth listening in our ear saying, "Tell them to say this," or you know, they forgot right. to mention. But so you, you sort of have to, and that's why I edit too because I'll forget and I'll say, "Well, you know, can you say this again?" And I'll go back and splice it in. So, I mean, <laughs> there's, there's a there's a method to the madness. Of and you have to make sure that the, the echo is the same too, right? It's that's true. Recorded yeah. in the same room, right? I think that, um, and again, I'm being a Bing Crosby nerd. Uh, he was one of the, the people who, I don't know if invent is the right word, but he somehow he got a hold of German tape technology and he saw how the Germans were pre-recording and, and doing that. So he being kind of known as kind of a lazy guy, he would record all of his episodes in one day and then have the rest of the week off. Go play golf. Go play golf. <laughs> So it, it, it kind of fits that same model, you know, where you can try to get it all done at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just it's funny how that works out. And uh, <clears throat> so with uh, with with Ellen, the way Ellen's doing it, it's like the Bing Crosby method. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're the queens of lazy. <laughs> well, I don't know about the lazy <laughs> well, you're, part. You're, it's you're, just you're, that you're smart enough to stack focused. everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So smart and lazy. Right. So let's talk about preparation because you can't just turn the mics on and say, go, be funny. It just doesn't work that <laughs> right, way. Right. That's like asking a comedian, like asking Jerry Seinfeld to go up on stage and just be funny without having any prep material. Yeah. Um, so how do you prepare for the episode? Do you have notes, bullet points? How do you go about it? Yeah, well, I mean, we're all librarians, so it's no surprise that I, I do a lot of research on the, the person and the topic. So I'll, I'll have an outline mostly for myself, just so I know what topics we might want to go into and what avenues we'll go down. We, we talk to the person beforehand before we turn the tape on and just make sure they realize, you know, it, not everyone realizes what's going on. So for us, we say this is not live. We're going to edit it later. So, you know, we're going to go and have a discussion. And we sort of map it out. But then we just we, we really just try to create the conditions, the best conditions, and then sort of go with it. And, mm-hmm. and in terms of the editing and, and what we want, we want everyone to sound good. 
you know, sort of be their best self, most most articulate self. So we're not trying to catch anyone or, or you know, expose anything. So we just want a good conversation that's going to sort of teach us some history along the way, too. So, Sure, sure. Ellen, what do you do for prep? Other than well, reading um, the book, of course. Yeah, I I generally, um, if I, I, I decide beforehand what book or books I'm going to talk about. And if I don't remember them well, I will go and, you know, look on Goodreads or somewhere. I try to find a summary to refresh my uh, memory of the book. And then I will write down on a piece of paper, three, like I said, like three things that I want to say. And, uh, and that's about my, the extent of my preparation, because as I said, it goes by really fast. And, and then I don't always get to say my three things because Charlene will interrupt me with a question. So, um, that's the extent of my preparation. <laughs> I don't work hard like you guys. Well, you know, it's, it is interesting that I always joke with the podcast saying, as I do the old paper shuffling saying, you know, oh, it says here on the script that we don't say we have. Um, but, you know, if I don't have bullet points, we don't have numbered questions. Sometimes I'm reading the questions. Other times I, I kind of evoke the spirit of the question just to keep us on point. And I always say to the guests before we begin that I have the script because if you think about when you're sitting with your friend, you know, at a barbecue or over a beer or something, you never finish a point because you go off on all these sub-tangents and you never right. come back. Mm -hmm. And then, God forbid, you get interrupted and you go back and you completely forget about what you were talking about. So for me, having the bullet points and having the, the quote-unquote script uh, keeps us on track for both yeah. timing, even though we go way too long in our podcast, um, but just to keep on point and stay focused because I'm the worst like at, at staying points. focused. You know. Yeah, and I mean, it's a lot of hard work <clears throat> making something sound spontaneous. <laughs> it just doesn't. Yeah. I mean, if exactly, you just yeah. let it fly, then it's going to be a lot of a lot of tape that's boring to listen to. So you, you do have to control it to an extent, I think. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but there is that that point, especially when you get a guest that's really doing well, that you just wing it. You're right. You and let them go. Right, like right. like when Chris and I did our episode. It was so much fun, and there was a thunderstorm in the background, and somehow we got into talking about Jaws and and God knows what else. Oh, that's true, yeah. yeah. Well, I've interviewed people, like I said, it's a portable rig, so I've been in like people's kitchens and, and garages <laughs> with, with their dogs walking around. And I kind of like that, leaving leaving that sound in there, you know? If the cat walks across the table or something and starts rubbing against the mic, you kind of leave it in, make it, make it sound uh, authentic. That is great. What about you, Alan? I know you don't have a lot of time uh, in your five to. I think the longest one you was, you did was about ten minutes, right? Uh, we might, I maybe we might have hit ten minutes in the beginning, but now I, we're very. I ride that timer, you know, like a dictator. <laughs> I give him the cut signal, like, all right, roll it, roll it, roll it. Let's go, let's go. You got to get to the uh, golf course, right? I gotta yeah, get to, exactly. Got to Just like Bing, like Bing. I gotta, I gotta hit the tee time. So. Oh, that's great. Um, <laughs> So another thing but that we wing it a little bit every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think you know you set up guidelines, but don't think of them as any of these are, are hard yeah. and fast rules. You know, if, if you go over or something happens, it, yeah, you're your own boss in a sense with this. So it, yeah, what are exactly. you gonna do? You know, fire yeah. yourself or yeah, exactly, or, or write yourself up or suspend yourself. No more podcasting <laughs> for you. Yes, exactly. And, and I say hooray. <laughs> one of the one of the thing that um, people may not notice or may not even know is. If you're dealing with theme music, bumper music, all that kind of – anything having to do with music, you have to be sure that you either have the rights to that music from the um, original performer or it's royalty-free music. 
because iTunes is pretty good at bouncing podcasts where you don't have pre-written authorization to use their music. Uh, the music that I have, I basically went into iTunes and searched for royalty-free music and drove my wife crazy sitting there listening to <laughs> track after track after track. And Royalty-free music can be a great thing, but there's a lot of not-so-good royalty-free music out there, and you have to really weed through to find st- right, stuff that's, right. that's usable. Not only, you know, not death metal, but something that is going to fit the theme of your podcast. Like, yeah. and, and one thing that I always found interesting was like with Car Talk, these are two guys from Cambridge, and they're using banjo music. So I said, how am I going to capture that and have that for my podcast? So it was really kind of a, a, a large process going through all that, that music. I think so. And I think beyond the name of the show, the first few seconds of sound music is, to me, the most important, or what I focus on the most. So, like, what, what's the intro sounding like? And, you know, for us, it's uh, one of our first interviewees was a um, the homegrown string band which was a family that played fiddle and banjo and, and uh, old-time music and they, they let us use a sample of one of their songs so that's what we've been using and I put in clips from various shows just to give like sort of a you know taste of what's to come so it's it's sort of overlaid on the music it are these snippets of conversation um, and then I said it, and then I, I've left it that way. So I haven't <laughs> messed with it too much since then. And, and you know what's funny? What I love about your intro is that it samples all the different styles. Not all of them, but it, it, the various different styles of a Long Island accent. Well, and it goes back to you know why you're doing this in audio, because you want to hear these people and, and the way they talk and the accents, right? And, you know, and in some sense, I, I grew up in Queens, so my sense of Long Island was, has changed and evolved over the years. <laughs> but I, I think you know, there are people out here that are doing great things, and that was part of the reason for the show was to have them have a, a platform to, to talk about it. Sure, sure. Um, Ellen, you have, uh, uh, forgive me for not remembering, but you have theme music, right? We do, we do, um, and we. I think we got. We found it online, and again, the wonderful Chris Kretz, um music loops, melody, melody, loop? melody loops, yes, yeah, melody like loops, something like that, which has a whole bunch of royalty-free um, little little, you know, songs, and um, and not only are they good for your podcast, but they are good for anything on the internet. So if you're making a video or you know something like that, and you need music. Um, you can go there and find something. It's just it's it doesn't have to be just a podcast. And I, I think we went through a process with that, right? There was like a samba kind of version, and then we had one with yeah, drums. And, and, and we yeah, had um, we wanted to have the sound of the book checks. Remember that? Oh, that's true. Yeah, we tried to add in. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we thought we, we would start with the sound of someone checking out books, and it it's, it's like, it wound up sounding like a like a supermarket. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just a barcode scanner, and it's like that same beep that you hear everywhere. So we're like, ah, you know, no. Oh, that's yeah. funny. So I know we talked about this before about location, and you know where you actually do your recording. And for the most part, when library pros are recording. Our, our home here at the Sagem Public Library is usually in the boardroom because it's a big enough room. It's not too echoey. But mm-hmm. every once in a while when I do have something scheduled and I look on the counter and go, oh, no, there's somebody in the boardroom tonight. And then I try to score one of the quiet study rooms. And actually, um, when I was recording uh, Gina Millsap, I actually did it from my desk. And I just told my colleagues who were working that night, I said, when you come in, just, you know, do the old, you know, Bugs Bunny tiptoe when you walk in. And it worked out because you couldn't really tell that it was 
in a in a pretty busy office. Well, speaking of that, Matt, it looks like you've is are you after hours there? I haven't seen anyone walk behind you. You're or you're pretty well ensconced in that office there. Uh, There's not yeah, a lot I of think the, our marketing guy just uh, sent me a message said that I was the last one here. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks Time for sticking go. it out. Yeah. But yeah, and, and and that's interesting. It's a role that libraries can play too because. If, if people are doing this kind of thing, and I think you mentioned someone recording in your space now, too. So people are, are as they get into podcasts, they're going to want a space to record, and your house is not always the best. So if the library had a room that you could rent and sit down and record, mm -hmm. you know, it's, right. a, it's another service you can provide. Sure. That's what we're exploring here now at Sagem, uh, taking one of the study rooms and putting the soundproof uh, soundproofing on the walls and... Um, mm -hmm. You know, maybe getting a, another board similar to the one that I have, but we actually have a—it's a wrestling podcast that uh, they just did their first episode here at the library, and I—I'm um, letting them use my equipment. And but the only caveat is they have to say that they recorded at the Sachem Public Library. So, and my concept has always been: how cool would it be if now people who didn't have a place to podcast didn't have the equipment? but yet could do the other end, could do the digital, could do the, the, the file hosting and all that other stuff. But we took this heavy lifting away from them. How cool would it be if the library became a podcasting place? So now we have, for lack of a better way to describe it, a stable of podcasts that record from the library. And I think that that's something that libraries should be exploring because this is not expensive. This is not hard. And if it's just a matter of you know giving the equipment to people and letting them run with it, so be it. Let it work. I yeah. think it really does you, work. Right. You could have your own network of, of local yeah. shows and sure. people and bands. And and, you know. You've got the technical advisor right on staff. So if people have questions, you know, you're available. And the whole concept, too, you know, heart going, jumping back to the, the idea of guests again, you're not limited. In fact, the second episode that I did, I drove all the way to Canton, New York, which is on the Canadian border. And it was because of a whole bunch of other things. And if you don't know the reason why, you have to listen to episode two because it's like a mystery that it was kind of wound up with, with my father and, and the Canton Free Library. It's a really interesting story. Um, so I went up there for a local history event, and I said, hey, let's podcast. And it just turned into something. And from there, you know, I've gone to other libraries. I've been to Merrick and Levittown and Port Washington. And it's, the equipment is portable enough that you can take it on the road. But what people, what I find interesting is when people say, oh, so who's going to be on your podcast? And I say, oh, Gina Millsap, she's in Kansas. Well, how are you doing that? Well, through the miracle of the internet, we can use, you know, Google Hangouts or, or Facebook or, or Skype or, or FaceTime if they're, if they're an Apple person. And with the way the technology is now, I can put my, you know, put the laptop right into the board and now I'm talking to them, and it sounds like they're in the room with me. The same way Matt is – where are you, Matt? You're in Virginia? Uh, no, we're uh, downtown uh, Manhattan. Oh, Manhattan. Why did I think you were in Virginia? No, I thought he was in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's great. And Ellen is, is uh, in her home in – Deer Park. Her. Deer Park. So you, you can open your horizons and speak to people anywhere so long as they have a connection to the Internet. And they don't have to do a lot of heavy lifting on their end. So. Well, and, and this is a little off topic, but I've been doing a lot of studying for other projects of, of public media. And one of the trends now is, you know, the, the lack of, of local coverage and, you know, with the death of a lot of newspapers, there's not as much local coverage around going around. So, I mean, is there some slack or is there a space where a public library could have some 
network like this where you're you're bringing views and opinions and and sort of that local coverage that people are not getting anymore well, from somewhere else the one thing that would jump out at me is providing space for the patch newspapers to do a a daily or a weekly yeah or they could add media to their plate there and it wouldn't just be you know text online they could start doing they would have a, a real physical voice yeah yeah we need a grant. Can we get a grant for this? Time for a grant. <laughs> Ellen, you know how to write a grant? Patch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, and, you know, again, to rehash, you know, content is king. And if you had the Patch newspaper coming in and doing, you know, a, a newscast, a, a weekly that's a local newscast, is it going to compete with Fios 1 or News 12? No, of course not. It's not going to compete with the real local news that's, you know, broadcast media. But it's just another avenue to get the uh the word out there kind of like what um what the associated press does with their short video clips where they have you know maybe it's 30 seconds or a minute talking about the conflict in syria or the latest trumpism or you know and it's just a 30 30 second to 45 second clip and newsday even does that too the local newspaper here well it gets back to the podcast that matt's going to do with the editorial room and and so people can see behind the scenes a little (laughs) glimpse of how they build an issue and and you know sure get get in that room a little and and just you know so i in one sense we're sort of using more of our material than we ever thought possible like for me again that those ideas of a a good research project that you help somebody with and that sort of goes away and and there's no way to you know no one ever knows about it and again the history podcast is a way to sort of keep those going or share that kind of uh that research detective story kind of feel that you get from that absolutely Sure. So, do we have any last thoughts? Did we just uh, shoot ourselves in the foot and make a whole ton of conversation for ourselves? <laughs> what do Bring you think? It on. Sure, that's Bring what it I on. say. Everybody, please compete with us. This is this is about uh, extending the conversation and 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 emboldening people and enabling people to to jump into this. Yeah, and, and like I said, I I started this in two thousand five, and I was I was waiting for that next wave. So it, it only took you know a dozen years or so but now you guys are here and so i, I think it's great it's, and it's not competition it's, it's broadening the scope and you know the more people involved i think the better and there are a lot of uh examples out there now so people can see what's possible and what they might want to do and then uh, ask questions and share knowledge and it, uh, it's fun absolutely it, it and it's it for me it's a labor of love because after every episode you say wow i just did this how did this happen how how did this, you know, how did this materialize? You know, you look, you look in the rearview mirror and you say, how did I get this far? Yeah, it's something new in the world. I mean, when, just to go off topic again, but we, we sure. did one interview with a guy, Connie New, of course, but he's Dan Gazzari, who was a NASA scientist, but yes. he also grew Great up. Great episode. He, he grew up in Rocky Point or spent his summers in Rocky Point. And it turns out his father had made a telescope for Einstein. And he tells this whole story about how he met Einstein in Princeton in the 50s in New Jersey and gave him, you know, the the telescope. And, and so this little nugget of a story was never written down anywhere, or at least his perspective of it. And we put it in the podcast, and now it's out there, something that hadn't existed before. So you, you get that thrill of, of, right, you're creating this content and putting it out there on the waves, and it's it's people can find it. It's great. Yeah, it's a story that would have passed when he passed, but now it's out there and it's it's being told anew. Right. That's excellent stuff. It really and Chris, I do enjoy your podcast. It's always great fun to listen to, and and she he gives me plugs from time to time. And well, and that's inter- that's what it's great to have other people too, because in, 
you know, I can I can retweet Ellen. You can retweet me. We can we yep. can help me. And and that's I think that's we're sort of the independent. You know, we're not NPR. We're, we don't have the muscle, and so we have to lift each other up. And I think yeah. that's fine. Sure. The more of us there but, are out there to to sort of amplify our signal, I think uh, the better off we are. And I've not actually being NPR. Sorry, <laughs> Go gives us freedom too. Independence, right? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. We can do what we want. And going back to stats for a minute, I can see how many times people have linked from your podcast directly to my podcast for downloads and, and, and streaming and things. So the, it does make an impact. I think the last time I checked, I had 16 um, referrals directly from your site to mine. Okay. So it, it works. It does work. So did we come up a name for Matt's... Um Wait, I think Bob is, Bob is texting. Is that Bob? Yes. Bob? Bob's dinging in? Bob is he's on his way. He said, wait, keep talking. Chris, <laughs> Chris, I'm coming. Can you hear me? Yes, <laughs> Ellen, I have some titles. So, Matt, you okay, tell me. Or I have one title. So if the idea is, is this is sort of um, sort of a behind the scenes or in the – well, in the room is one. I don't know if, you have, if you have a name for your bullpen or, or whatever, but that could be something. The one I like is Journal Jabber. Ooh. You, you can have that for free. <laughs> Journal jabber. Journal jabber. Okay. In the stacks is taken, I think. In the stacks is taken, yeah. But uh, they're not necessarily in the stacks. They're in the room. Yeah. Well, well, we'll watch. Now, when we post this, when it gets posted on LJ, and we'll retweet it and stick it on our Facebook po- you know, pages, maybe somebody will come up with some other good ideas, too. Yeah, sure. Oh, you know what That's I true. forgot. You know what I forgot to mention. Editors roundtable. Every time we mention the name Ellen Druda. Oh yeah. <laughs> on our oh, podcast, no. <laughs> Ellen has to give us five dollars. No. Oh really? Okay. So now we're gonna Stop have to it. give a listen. And is I that true, God. Ellen Druda? Ellen, Ellen Druda. <laughs> Not you too. <laughs> yeah. So we have to see what the tally's up to. I'm gonna have to. Yeah, uh, I think this is gonna be a bad one. I'm gonna take a hit. Yeah, Ellen Druda's in big trouble with this one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, we have to think about uh, 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 some names for Matt here, and Matt's like, "Uh oh, what did I get myself <laughs> I into?" Well, Matt, how how <laughs> how close is your staff to embracing this idea, or, or would they just sort of walk um, out of the room on you? Uh, Gary Price and I from uh, from uh, Gary from InfoDocket had talked about doing something like this a couple of years ago, and it just never got off the ground. I mean, I think. Um, and this is a little bit of a, uh, inside baseball thing, but I mean, it's, it's also a chicken and an egg thing. Like how do we assign staff time to it if it's not going to be supported by advertising, for example? And, ah, you know, there's always that question. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So, well, they just started a new, if you have salespeople, you just started a new uh, avenue for sales. Yeah, it's true. I mean, like, I think that this is growing right now. So, I mean, there's obviously an opportunity for, you know, maybe a sponsorship. But, I mean, you know, and on the editorial side, a lot of times you think, well, if the content's there, then why are you worried about that? But, you know, again, it's a question of staff time. So, um, but, yeah, no, I mean, it, this this has given me a lot of ideas. I mean, I think I'm definitely going to raise it. So You've yeah. got the voice, I'm telling you. You you really do. <laughs> yeah, right? It's right. deep enough. It has enough base. Yeah. So I'd listen to that. Our job here is done then. We've, we've birthed, <laughs> yes, birthed another podcast into the world. <laughs> that's great. Wow. So I wanted, before um, we wrap up, I wanted to, uh, again, give plugs to everybody. So, Matt, give us a plug uh, for you for Library Journal. 
Well, I just uh, wanted to remind everybody to uh, to check out the article. It's coming out on the 15th uh, from Chris and Ellen. Uh, you know, it covers uh, some of the same territory here, but it's a great it's a great piece. Like if you're looking to get into podcasting and you want to know where to get started. Okay, Chris, your turn. Uh, LongIslandHistoryProject.org with my co-host Connie Curry. We are funded by the Long Island Radio and Television Historical Society. So check them out at LIRTVHS.org. Chris, I was just in your local history room. We have a lot of old radios. That's sort of the the field that we're researching, and there's a lot of interesting Long Island history and radio. So check out their website because they're doing a lot of great stuff on preserving that part of history. And I'll, I'll just throw in Twitter at CB Kretz if you're interested. Excellent. Good job. Ellen, you're up. Okay. In the stacks podcast dot word dot wordpress dot com. Don't miss a single episode. And please tell your friends. That's how we tag it. So that's it. I'm done. <laughs> what, a, what a pro. Yeah. It, what about social media? Do you have any social media ch- attached to it? Um, well, you can. We always post to the library Facebook page, which is um, HHHCL, Half Hollow Hills Community Library on Facebook. Um, I tweet also at Double Duchess, D B L D U C H E S S. That's my Twitter handle. And so I. Um, we'll tweet everything out as well. And if anybody has any questions, I just recently got an email from some librarians at the Deer Park Library that want to now do a podcast. Um, they saw our presentation, Chris Kay. Oh, so great, uh, now great. they want to do it. And that's my hometown. So I'm kind of excited about that. Uh, so please, you know, ask us questions wherever you find us. Happy to help. That is awesome. So I would like to thank personally Matt Ennis from Library Journal for allowing us to piggyback this episode to the article. Also, big thanks to Chris Kretz from the Long Island History Project and Ellen Druda from In the Stacks and the Half Hollow Hills Community Library for being part of this really fun time. Uh, so thanks for listening to the Library Pros. If you have questions or comments on our show, please go to the comment, comment section on our website as I pretend not to press the button. Uh, you can also check us out on our on Twitter at, at the Library Pros and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash the Library Pros. And remember don't forget to subscribe to our RSS, iTunes, Android, email, and Google Play. And remember the opinions stated by the Library Pros and their guests are solely those of the guests and Chris and Bob, if Bob were here. <laughs> There's Bob. Uh, <laughs> and um, they're not the the opinions of the Sachem Public Library, the M.S. Clark Memorial Library, which is Bob's library, Stony Brook University, Half Hollow Hills Community Library, or anybody else. Well, maybe Library Journal, but we don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks for coming, and please check out the article, and we will see you next time. You've been listening to the Library Pros Podcast. The Library Pros are brought to you by Pippet Productions and by the Library Pros themselves, Crystal Christofaro and Bob Johnson. Special thanks to Sachin Public Library for providing space for this podcast. Until the next turn of the page, I'm your announcer, Carlton Welch. <laughs>